It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What's good on, everybody? The Wizards have interest in Karis LeVert and Emmanuel Quickly. We're going to look at trade proposals for both players and chop it up real quick and talk about it next on Locked On Wizards. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This is an uh, official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So, as you know, the Washington Wizards have interest in Karis LeVert of the Cleveland Cavaliers and Emmanuel Quickly, who has been rumored before to be a target of the Washington Wizards. So we are going to get into some trade proposals for both. But let's go ahead and start with Karis LeVert. Now, there were reports that the Washington Wizards are looking at acquiring Karis LeVert of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we went ahead and uh, put together a trade proposal. And one popular trade proposal that, uh, that we put together through Trade Pros, which is Karis LeVert coming to Washington, D.C. for Kyle Kuzma and Daniel Gafford. Now, it's a little tricky. The uh, reason for that, looking at Karis LeVert real quick, he is making $28.1 million a year. And if you look on the flip side, Kyle Kuzma is making about 13 mil, but he is on a player option that he's expected to decline, so he should be making more. And Daniel Gaffer is on $12.4 million going to the beginning of his extension. So I know there's a couple factors, E. You know, obviously with Kyle Kuzma, uh, the chances are he's going to decline his player option and get more. But do you think Karis LeVert should be a target? And do you think Kyle Kuzma and Daniel Gafford would work or maybe Kyle Kuzma would assign a trade? What do you think? Um, yeah, Karis Levert is an intriguing player. It's kind of random. It's not a guy that I really think the Wizards would be interested in, but I get it if he's coming off the bench as a six-man scorer because our bench was so bad last year after the Rui trade. We didn't we didn't get much production from it. Kendrick Nunn was a guy that they were looking to lean on for bench scoring, and he barely played. Will Barton was a guy who was supposed to come off the bench and, and fill it up and score, but he eventually ended up being bought out. He collected a lot of DMPs, barely got in there, barely played any games for the Wizards. Uh, so Karis LeVert would be a guy coming off the bench. But I, I do think Kuz and Gafford is just too much. Um, I know fans spell right now, they don't let you really adjust the um, the contracts. Because I know Kuz is not going to be $13 million. Uh, It's going to go up. Karis LeVert right now, he's making about $18 million per year. Um, so if you did a player swap, I still wouldn't do it. If I were the Wizards, I really wouldn't trade for Karis LeVert. I like Karis LeVert a lot. I, I like him a lot on the Pacers. As well, he's a bucket getter. He's a scorer. He's definitely what we need off the bench. If he, if we could get him as a bench scorer, and if they're trying to win around Bill and get players around Bill as a bench scorer, I think he would be great. But at this point right now, I just don't see them trading for. I think he's going to end up staying with Cleveland. Now, last year, looking at some of the numbers, just looking at some of his stats, um, he shot thirty nine percent from the three, which is really good off of four attempts per game, which is what we need. We need more shooting. We need more scoring. We need more more shot creation guys that can get to the basket, create for themselves. 
Um, he did struggle shooting the ball from the two, uh, 43%. His mid-range game was one of his worst uh, in his career as well. I think I think 39% is the best that he's shot uh, from the three-point line in his career. Yeah, it was by far 39%. Um, and then 46% from, from twos uh, was one of the worst, um, his second worst uh, two-point shooting uh, season. So right now I wouldn't give up Gaff and – uh, Kuzma for uh, Karis LeVert. Now, the, looking at the Cavs and their trade that they just made for Karis LeVert last year, or in the twenty, it was the, I want to say it was the twenty twenty two season that they just traded for him last year. They traded, they traded with the Pacers, so they gave up uh, the Cleveland. The Pacers gave up Karis LeVert in a in a twenty twenty two second round pick to Cleveland. Cleveland sent Indiana Ricky Rubio a first round pick in two seconds. So. Um, they basically essentially gave a, a, a lottery protective first. So personally, but yeah, I, I just wouldn't give up. I think you can get something better than that for Kuz. And I feel like you can get a first, you can possibly get a first round pick for Kuz, but I just feel like Gafford and Kuz would be a little too much. And it kind of, it's kind of like the, the trade that I did for Terry Rozier on a bleach report where I've, I just had to put Kuz and Monte for Terry only to make the salaries match where if, the sal- if we give Kuz, and upgrading a contract, it would just be Kuz for Terry. And even that is a little bit of a reach right there because I don't know how Terry really fit next to Bill. So um, right now, I just don't – I don't see Karras really moving the needle for this roster at this point. Yeah, to double-check, man, because you're right, 18. I don't know why uh, Trace Pro had him for 28.1. Mm-hmm. But even with 18 mil – do you want to pay 18 mil to a guy as a six man? I don't know. Right, you know yeah. We were we were questioning Daniel Gafford with his extension with the prospect of him being a backup center, depending on how the, the lineup is and depending on a lot of moves made in his offseason. But, you know, I like Karis LeVert, but he's not a guy who wows you. He's not a guy that offense or defenses are kind of centered around. You know what I mean? He's kind of a guy where, you know, he could play a little bit, but 18 mil, I don't know, man. I mean, this, and again, you know, look at the Kuzma, you know, he's rumored to be anywhere from 15 to maybe 25 mil. So, you know, do you sign and trade a guy? It's a tricky move, you know, because I'm with you, man. I was very surprised to see that he was a target of the Washington Wizards because, you know, one, you know, what's going to happen with his roster is very unclear, you know, because again, 18 million for a guy, the two guard that, you know, if we rebuild, maybe. You know, if, if Bill's moved, which I don't think he's going to be moved, but if he's moved, maybe, but I just, I don't see it happen, man. I think that I just don't see where he fits. Again, me personally, if I'm, if I'm the general manager, I'm not paying $18 million for a guy who's a six man. I'm just not, it's, no, it, you know, if, if I'm paying him $18 million, he's going to start. And, uh, you know, really, you know, if you're trading Kuzma, you know, you can't play Levert at the three, but he's more of a two guard. Um, And again, Gaff, I don't, I'm not giving up Gaff, man, you know. And from Cleveland's perspective, are you going to pay Gaff $12.4 million to be a backup? Because you already got Evan Mobley. You already got Allen. So, you know, you really – you're not going to pay guys on the bench that much money. So, yeah, looking at it, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be mad, but then again, it's just – I don't see it, how it happens, man, because I don't see where he fits. You know, Kuzma is – there's a big if on Kuzma because, you know, maybe it's a sign of trade for Kuzma straight up. But, again, where do you play him? You know, and it all comes back to the same thing. You know, I'm not paying a six man $18 million and I'm not giving up Gaff. I just think, you know, I think Gaff does have value, but I just don't, I don't see Cleveland, you know, it's just the salaries and the timeline doesn't match for either team. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that it's going to be a no for each side. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I like Levert. Levert's a good player, man. He can ball, he can score. He was a big score, big time scorer with the Pacers. 
uh, 20 points a game in uh, 2021 with the Pacers, 18 points a game in 2022 with the Pacers, then got traded to Cleveland. His scoring went down because, you know, of course, he's playing next to Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, so they're getting a lot of shots up. Evan Mobley got to spread the wealth with him, Jared Allen. Um, and then Brooklyn, he was a bucket getter too, 18 points a game with Brooklyn, 13 points a game. So he, he's had a solid career. Like, he's been a legitimate scorer. Last year, he, he had a second-to-worst season uh, from, the, from the field, uh, shooting two points with 46%. Then he had his best season in his career, shooting 39% from the three. So he, he did struggle. He, he had a couple stinkers in there. Like, the first part of the year with Cleveland uh, it was rough for him shooting the ball, coming off the bench, just getting used to playing with Donovan Mitchell. So, um, But he had a really good playoffs. He played pretty well against the Knicks. But just here, he would be a six-man behind Bill. And is it worth it to pay him that much money? Uh, 18 mil to be a six man. So uh, I, I just don't think, I don't, I, it, it, I think the only way he comes here is in a three team trade. But yeah, right now, I just don't see anything that we would be willing to give up just to bring him in. So I don't, it's weird. It's really weird that they're interested in him. I don't know how true it is, um, but it, I'm just intrigued to see what Michael Winger and Will Dawkins and Travis Schlenk, what they do to, uh, if they are trying to win this year, I'm just intrigued at what, what players are going to be targeting to, to build around Bradley Bill this year. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I'm with you. I just don't. Again, 18 mil for guys a six man. I like Levert. Don't get me. Don't get a twist. I do like mm-hmm. him as a player. Like you said, he's a scorer. He can score. Um, just why bring him here to be a six man? I just don't see where it fits. You know, looking at Bradley Bill. You know, how does? And that's the general question because I believe that you know Bradley Bill, if he's moved, is going to be at the deadline. If we're not where he or the organization thinks we should be, but I think that the scoring record. He wants to score on record. And I think they're going to give him a chance to, to see. And I think really both they're going to give each other a chance. I think Bradley Bill, because he holds all the cards, is going to give them a chance to see if they can surround him with talent. And then the flip side, I think the organization is going to give him a chance, you know, at least to the deadline. So it, it really comes down to the fit. Does he really fit beside Bill? And it just doesn't fit on the bench. So that's kind of where I'm at, man. I, I think we're both agreeing that it's just, you know, unless you move on from Bill, and I get that because he can come in and be the starting two guard on a rebuilding and retooling um, team, but I just don't see Bill being moved till the deadline, if he's moved at all. So um, before we move on to the next trade, you got anything else you want to cover when it comes to Karis LeVert? No, that's it. We'll move on to quickly. Yes, sir. (laughs) Yes, sir. Man, the fan favorite. Um, Emmanuel Quickly has been named a lot Hmm. as a potential trade partner or trade target for the Washington Wizards. So we're going to talk about that next. But before we move on, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With the eBay guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits just right. The first time around, just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or not. Or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
apply. And thank you for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow. We are going to chop it up with Locked On Hawks to talk about uh, Travis Schlink and maybe a little bit of DeJounte Murray and see if he could fit in D.C. So definitely tune in tomorrow. So get into the next trade proposal. And I got a couple here for you. Um, the number. The first one we're going to look at is um, the Knicks sending Emmanuel quickly, Obi Toppin, and Hartenstein to the Washington Wizards in exchange for Monte Morris and Johnny Davis. And the second trade is actually the same players coming from New York, but the second trade proposal is uh, Monte Morris and instead of Johnny Davis, Denny Avia, which is sure to get a lot of love from the fan base. So <laughs> looking at those trades, um, obviously Emmanuel quickly is a combo guard, but he has shown that he can run an offense mm-hmm. and he can score at a high level. And again, he's a University of Kentucky guard, so you know I'm a little biased. Um, Obi Toppin is a four who is athletic and Hardenstein will be another big who is on expiring contract. So um, would you make would you make that move? Do you think the move moves the needle for this team? And out of the two proposals, which one do you think is the more plausible to happen? Um, I like the trade, honestly, Um, giving up Monte, who I just don't see a a long term future for here with the Wizards. He's got one year left on his deal. Johnny Davis, I like him, but honestly, it's going to take a long time for development. With Johnny, um, you get back Emmanuel quickly, and you get back Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin, Isaiah Hartenstein, who would be a good backup big. Only thing is, I think the Knicks say no to this trade. I think they like Emmanuel quickly a lot. Emmanuel quickly was a guy that was in the running for a six man of the year, but I think the Wizards definitely should make that move for sure. They just don't have to give up much, and um, I, like I said, I think they're going to give up, give uh, Monte. I, I don't, I just don't see a long term future here with Monte. Obi Toppin is really athletic. Um, he's a guy that's been a solid pick, kind of like with Denny. He's just been a good rotational player. Hasn't really peaked, but quickly has really had some good moments in this league. I mean, the Wizards have had rumored interest in, in him or legitimate interest in him in the middle of the season. There was a report that came up in the middle of the season. Um, I pulled it up right here, but uh, it was where it was hit them and, and the Bucks and a couple other teams. It was yeah, the Bucks, Mavericks, and Wizards have expressed interest in Manuel quickly. That was before the trade deadline in January. That was from NBA Central. Uh, report came out from that, so they, the, the the interest in quickly is is definitely legit. From what I heard from the previous regime, I just don't know if Michael Winger, Will Dawkins, and Travis Schlink once again have interest in this. This report was on Twitter this time uh, from the NBA trade report that was circulating around there on social media. So I don't know how true this one is. Uh, but it quickly is a guy that can get to the paint, get to the basket. He's not a natural point guard, but he's more of a scoring point guard. He's looking to score. He he can definitely get teammates involved. Uh, the second half of the year was really good for him when R.J. Barrett went down. Uh, he ended the year with 14 points a game, 81% from the free throw line, uh, 37% from three, shooting five threes a game. So he can shoot the he can shoot the ball, stretch the floor. He, he is a three-level scorer. He is a bucket getter for sure. Uh, got to the free throw line three times a game. So uh, he would be an upgrade for Monte Morris for sure. And he's a guy that the Wizards really probably uh, should have drafted in the first round. I gotta look. I gotta look at that draft again. Yeah, he was the 25th pick of the draft in the 2020 draft. Um, so I mean, he that would have been a little too high in the 2020 draft. So I'll take that back. But um, I think he would have been a great pick for the Wizards if they would have got him in the first round. Um, but yeah, I, I like that trade. I just think the only thing is, I think the Knicks say no to that because I think they really value Emmanuel quickly. Like, there's a report that he may get. He's gonna get paid. After this year, that he's in the running to really get a, a large extension after his rookie contract. So I, I love, I love Emmanuel Quickly's talent. I love his talent. Yeah, me as well. I'm a big fan of him, man. You know, I, I know I'm biased. I'm a Kentucky guy, so he's a Kentucky <laughs> guard. So uh, I automatically like him. But 
you know, like you say, he can score. He's an automatic bucket getter. Um, he is more of a scoring guard, so you know, he's but he's gonna push the pace. So yeah, sure. I'm not too mad at that. Um, Toppin, Toppin, you know, I compared a little bit to Denny outside of the athleticism, because obviously yeah, Toppin's a Skywalker man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so, but I think out of the two proposals, the one I think that they the likelihood of them saying yes to would be Monte and Denny. Because I think mm. Denny does have some value. You know, I mean, defensively, you know, he's known to be a, de- a defensive guy. You know, it's just, you know, it's just adding those tools to his offensive tool bag. And when, he, you know, with him going into a contract year, do they see him as a long-term fit in New York? That's a big question as far as the Knicks. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think they say no. But I think that, you know, there, there is a little traction. Because we've heard Emmanuel quickly, you know, being a target of the Wizards going back to last year. So, you know, he would be a welcome addition. You know, obviously, I know a lot of people, the first thing I'm going to say is another combo guard. And, and, and I get it. You know, you get PTSD from Spencer Dinwiddie and mm-hmm. to a lesser degree, Monte Morris. But, you know, but again, here's another thing. There's value in expiring contracts, you know, especially for a team that's trying to contend like the Knicks. You know, the fact that Monte Morris is an expiring contract where you really don't have to, you know, really be tied to him long term. The same thing with Denny. You know, you know, you can play him and if you don't think he's part of your long term vision then let him walk and then he can go get his bag somewhere else. But I, I do think there's value with Monte and Denny's just, I'm with you. I think the Knicks say no, but I think it's, yeah. it's, it's worth a try because I think, you know, Manuel quickly is a guy who can score, you know, he's a guy who's going to push the pace and we desperately, desperately need to push the pace, man. I mean, we just, we, we have been too stagnant as far as the offensive pace and we need to find a guy who's going to collapse these defenses and really utilize shooters, man. We have not been able to really properly utilize shooters because to me is this because you know every every question and every potential move comes down to one basic fact which is how does this help bradley bill out because he's the guy he's a franchise guy and until he's moved he's the guy he's here so you've got to kind of see where he fits next to next to brad so i think that a guard who could push the pace and find open shooters because number one i, I have the firm belief that if bradley bill goes back to being that scoring two guard and not being associated with trying to play make and not bring the ball up, you know, actually find a point guard who's going to help set him up like John Wall did, then you could see him have a really good season. And I think that if he goes back to being that scoring two guard, Bradley Bill, and he's getting older, but I still think he could play at an all-star level. It's just finding a point guard who can utilize his strengths as a shooter. You know, he's just not the guy that needs to bring the ball up. You know, we sit at time and time again, you know, bounce the ball off his foot. It's just not his forte. So, you know, a guard who can push space, I'm not going to be mad, but you know, you got to look at every deal and say, what do the Knicks look at it from their perspective? And, you know, Johnny Davis, man, <laughs> I mean, we we see more value out of him than most organizations because we drafted him. And, you know, we we have that task of trying to get him going. And, you know, you, I think that, the you know, with confidence, he can be a good player in this league. It's just, you know, is a team going to be willing to take that time to develop him? You know, we are more inclined to do it because he's our, we, we drafted him. The Knicks, they don't have that, you know, they don't, you know what I mean? Like, we we want to develop them because we drafted them, but they're not going to have that loyalty like we are. So, you know, to look at a guy who's a uh, developmental piece, I don't see it happening. So, out of the two, man, I think that Denny and Morris could be the most plausible one. But, again, I think they have a conversation, but I think at the end of the phone call, they hang up. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so, too. Now, if they're looking to bring in quickly and top in, to try to win around build that doesn't move the needle much at all. It makes them a better team. Uh, but once again, you kind of look at the play in, you're kind of looking at 
really either out, out of just not making the playoffs or really just making the play. And that's, uh, looking at quickly at some of his numbers, too, uh, he had some really good games towards the end of the year. He had 38 against Boston, uh, 26 against Portland. Portland was a bad team at the time, 26 against the Clippers. He had 40 against the Rockets, who were awful, um, on March 27th. 38, like I said, against Boston. I don't know if Tatum and, and Brown played in that game, but he had 38 in double overtime against the Celtics. So um, just box score watch, and he put up some really big numbers in the second half of the year for sure. 23 points against Boston again. So he's a Celtics killer. Uh, looks like he's a Celtics killer, which I love that because uh, I can't stand the Celtics. But, um, yeah, quickly, he, he's a young, up-and-coming, talented player. I do like Obi Toppin. I do like his athleticism. He is an athlete in the half. He can play above the rim. Drafted right before Denny, if I'm not mistaken, or right after. It was like they were like right next to each other in the draft, like pick nine and pick ten. Um, but you know, he struggled to shoot three. But he's a jack of all trades guy, too, talented player, but just hasn't really uh, tapped his potential yet. But if they're looking to rebuild, then of course you may look at like Bradley Bill for top and quickly a first round pick, Barrett, and then you have to throw in Evan Fournier to make salaries match. So that's something that if you're really rebuilding. You look at that, you get a twenty, you get the 2024 first round pick back. That's something that we talked about on Bleacher Report too, um, where you just trade Bill for a bunch of guys from the Knicks, uh, quickly involved, top and involved, Barrett involved, um, Fournier, and you get your pick back. The 2024 uh, first round pick, maybe throwing another first round pick for Bill um, if the Knicks really, really want him, and that would help the Knicks out because they would have like Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and, and Bradley Bill and Mitchell Robinson, and they they would try to make another playoff run, but. Um, so I don't know if Winger and Dawkins are looking at Toppin and, and quickly in a rebuild kind of thing where they're just trying to blow it up. And Brad says, I'm ready to move on. And the, and the Knicks are interested in Bradley Bill. So you can look at it from both ways. If they're trying to win, these guys don't move the needle. But if you're trying to rebuild and you want to get your pick back, the 2024 pick that that, that is protected, um, then I think those guys are a possibility to bring in for a possible rebuild. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, but here's the thing is that if you look at a lot of the comments that they're making, this is what I firmly believe. I'm, if I'm going to predict how the offseason and this oncoming season happens, I think that Brad, number one, wants that scoring record. And two, I think that, you know, they're going to look at what they can do. They're, they're going to have one year and both sides are going to see, you know, hey, can they can surround me from, from Bill's perspective? Can they surround me with talent? And from Winger's perspective, you know, is it plausible to carry this contract forward? But you know, it, it all depends, you know, because a lot of people are fighting for jobs. This is going to mm-hmm. a lot of people have one year to get it together. You know, Western sells another name. You know, there's there's a lot of people on this roster that are fighting for jobs right now. So, I, again, it comes down to vision. You know, I think that they don't, they, but they, you know, looking at comments made with the press conference and coming forward, um, obviously rebuild is an option. But coming into the situation right now, you're evaluating and you're analyzing what fits, what doesn't fit. So I think that's what they're going to carry forward as far as what the vision is forward because i don't think they're going to come in and say oh all right everybody's gone what's going to roll with nothing <laughs> you know it's just because we do have a foundation it's just who fits the long-term vision you know they're gonna look at the young guys and look at you know so there's a lot of factors so i get that so um so before we move on um because we're going to talk about um some coaching moves that happened mm. with the wizards but before we move on do you have anything left with the trading no, that's it. Um, Michael Scotto from Hoops Hype is the guy that brought up the interest for the Wizards being interested in January. So that's the source that came up with that. Maybe the the Twitter tweet, <laughs> that's probably where it come, came from from that. And then I, I found one small stat, and then we'll get to it. Um, but I, I, just to piggyback on what you said, and then we'll quickly get to the to the last part. Um, yeah, I, I think I don't think they're going to blow it up at this point. I think they're going to still try to retool and try it one more year. 
and then I think if things go really bad by the trade deadline, then that, that's that's when they pull the trigger, and then maybe Brad is just fed up and he's like, okay, yeah, it's time to move on. Um, quickly was in the, the 96th percentile in points per possession as the pick and roll ball handler. So that's something that he does really, really well um, handling the ball. But let's get on to the last part. Talk about these coaches before we do that. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Um, of course, right now, the NBA Finals is going on right now. I think it's going to be the last game of the year. I think this is going to be it. So as we speak, the Heat are actually winning 24 to 22. The Heat are just so weird. They always win when their backs are against the wall, um, which just makes no sense to me. I think the Nuggets really should just close this game out, but um, we'll see what happens. But um, FanDuel is a great place to put wagers in, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. There's no better place to bet, no place, no better bet, place to bet all of the NBA Finals action than, Amer- in a, than a, on America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Brandon. So who are some of the coaching hires? I know um, Mike Williams from the Capital City Go-Go. I know he's moving on. Uh, yeah, so Josh Roberts tweeted out this morning. He said, losing Mike Williams is a blow for the Washington Wizards slash Go-Go, but it's also positive since Mike Williams has earned an opportunity to take the next step in his career. Williams Go-Go general manager Amber Nichols and the Go-Go staff have helped players such as Jordan Goodwin uh, develop. So, And then you see what happened with Chris Dunn. Uh, he went to the Jazz, and he played really, really well. I thought that was a guy that the Wizards should have just brought up anyway. Um, but he had a heck of a season with the Jazz to end the season. So what are your thoughts about Mike Williams leaving the Capital City Go-Go? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too concerned, but like you said, mm-hmm. you know, they've done good work with Capital City Go-Go, man. I mean, they, you know, the, Chris Dunn revitalizing his career, you know, getting Jordan Goodwin a contract, you know, and you can attribute, you know, Johnny Davis and him improving. It has a lot to do with the Capital City Go-Go. So, you know, I'm not alarmed, but, you know, you know, obviously he's finding opportunity elsewhere, but as again, he's part of that. You got to give a lot of credit to Capital City Go-Go, man. You know, their ability to get these guys – to perform at the NBA level because look if not last year the year before when we dealt with a lot of COVID injuries you know the, the people being on the uh, COVID protocol these guys were able to come up and play good minutes quick so that's a testament to the capital city Google. so yeah it, it's tough to see somebody leave but you know the, again they've done a good job down there capital city go-go but I know there was another um hiring and firing but not, I don't know if it was a firing but a hiring uh this is from Neil DeLaw and it says the, the Wizards hired Samuel Gelfand as an analytics assistant coach after letting Dean Oliver go earlier this offseason. Gelfand was a Pelicans senior director of basketball analytics last season and with the Pistons and Warriors prior to that. So, you know, looking at that, you know, um, we said it before, E, that I'm not one of these guys that think that you need to, you know, analytics should be the one mode of, you know, <laughs> evaluating talent, but it should be a tool in the tool bag at evaluating talent. So. Again, this is another move that this front office has made that, you know, they're really getting modern. 
they're really bringing the best people for the job to really do this right. To really find the right pieces through the draft, through free agency, through draft or oh, trade. Sorry, I said the draft twice. Um, to really evaluate talent. You know, this is an under the radar move, but I think that this is a really good move going forward because analytics should be part of it. Should mm-hmm. not be the whole thing. You know, this ain't the Oakland A's with Billy Bean, man. Look, we, you know, you got to have different avenues to evaluate talent. But I think this is the right move. But so. What do, you, what do you think? You think um, how important do you think this is uh, bringing analytics more into evaluating talent? Yeah, I think it's, it's a young way of thinking. Will Dawkins is what, 36, 37 years old. Michael Winger is 46. So Travis Wing is the, the old guy at a bunch. But you're really bringing in some young, innovative minds, a new way of thinking. And I love it. Basketball, the game has changed. It's changed to three point shooting. You know, you got big men shooting threes. So the game has changed. You know, they phased out the mid-range game. And people still shoot mid-range shots, of course, but it's really just three and D, three-pointers and layups. That's, a, that's what they want. You want to – if you're looking to run and gun and push the pace and just looking at numbers that work for the team, just little stuff like that, corner threes, like what's Corey Kisper's best shot? You want to get him more shots in the corner. Or uh, what's Daniel Gafford's best post-up side or pick-and-roll side? Just little things like that, just looking at numbers, percentages, um, Bradley Bill, where where can we get him the ball? Where does he work best in the clutch so we can get him in situations where he doesn't dribble the ball off his foot? Um, just little situations like that. They can look up some numbers and stuff like that and try to get better, people in a better in a better situation, even defensively. What what defensive sets work? So um, and they've been doing that stuff over time. So those are just some some examples I can think of over my head. But yeah, there, there's some young innovative guys trying to start up some new things. Uh, and I like it a lot. I love it. I love it. So um, this guy, Sammy Gelfin, just looking at his his history and his job history, he has a LinkedIn profile as well. Uh, so that shows how young he is, too. So he was a senior director of basketball analytics with the Pelicans, director of coaching operations with the Pistons in 2018-2019, coordinator of basketball analytics for the Warriors in 2013-2014, uh, to 27, 2018. So he might have been there when Michael Winger, I'm not, not Michael Winger. He might have been there. He, yeah, he probably, he was there when Travis Schlenk was there. So maybe Travis Schlenk put in a word. Uh, that's when they, and the Warriors won a championship uh, around that time, 2017, 2018. So uh, he's got some championship pedigree there working with staff, working at Clay. Of course, they're the, they're the darlings of analytics. So they're the guys who started to just shoot a whole bunch of threes and they start, they change, they basically changed the league with three point shooting. Uh, Stephen Clay, and then he was a draft preparations coordinator for the Golden State Warriors in 2012-2013, uh, director of player personnel with the Santa Cruz Warriors. So this guy, he's worked a lot, man. He's worked his way up in the league, so I'm happy to see him get a position uh, with the Wizards. And then we fired an analytics guy, so we're bringing this guy on. Um, they did – I want to say they let go Dean Oliver. So uh, this guy, Samuel Gelfin, Gelfin has a, a good resume. So, um, yeah, they let go Dean Oliver earlier this offseason. So he's going to be Dean Oliver's replacement. So um, he's got some good good things on his resume. So I'm intrigued to see if he can come in and, and, and help help this team out uh, for years to come. How they gonna how they gonna get rid of your cousin like that, man? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm no. with you, man. And there's something that you said that really rings true, man. And, and I think that was really on point, man. Which was finding a way to help Brad. Which is mm-hmm. because, all right, you got two options here, right? We, you know, I know that with new management, it's a lot of people to think that you should go ahead and try to trade them. But you also got to understand that they're the plausible. They're, 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 he could stay here long term. So saying that, you know, putting him in the best position to succeed is another thing that his front office is looking at. You know, bringing analytics into it, you know, really evaluating talent, really bringing the best talent whether it's through the through the draft, through free agency, or through the trade market, uh, putting Bradley Bill in the best position 
to succeed. And I think that is competency in the in the front office. Because number one, you know, by bringing this these type of people into the staff and into the front office, you have options. If you want to rebuild, you have a whole front office full of guys who know how to evaluate talent. So you can you can rebuild. You know, you can front, you know, start fresh and re. But if you're, you know, if Bradley Bill going forward is that guy long term, which is an option, which is a realistic option, mind you, then putting him in the best position to succeed is something that this does because surrounding him with competent talent, especially young talent. Because look, obviously, with the salary, a lot of the talent that we're going to be looking to bring in is going to be young talent. So you got to evaluate that. And analytics, like I said, I'm not one of these people that think that analytics is the sole tool that you use to evaluate talent you know because i know it goes, it's not just basketball baseball you know you got your traditionalists going against analytical type of people that and then they clash over the years you know especially baseball where you hear you know the, the, some people can just evaluate talent based off the sound of the crack of the bat as opposed to somebody looking at numbers and the same thing with basketball you know <laughs> you know the old school people know just just know from body language how to evaluate guys but analytics do have a place in the modern nba so this is just another move that this shows how competent this front office is. You have a lot of talent, a lot of dogs in this front office, man. You got guys who know how to make those aggressive moves, know how to find those gems, those diamonds in the rough in the draft. So, no, nah, I think this just is just another great move by this front office, man. So, um, yeah. so, oh, go ahead, Oh, uh, I mean, last one I'll say, yeah. I mean, Will Dawkins, he talked about how to draft. It starts for them three years ago. They've been scouting guys for years and years and years, especially with Sam Presti getting all these picks. He's loading up on picks in like 2029 and 2028. So they're looking at guys who are in high school or, or eighth graders. You know, they've been scouting guys for years. Like they, they scouted Jalen Williams for years uh, before he, and he before he even entered the draft. And um, even for guys like Porzingis and just looking at, you know, why do we blow so many 15 point leads? You're looking, looking to analytics. For that too, what are we doing wrong? Are there some numbers that show that they need to pick it up? Of course, there's numbers showing that they need to pick it up in the fourth quarter. Like, what's going wrong? Why is Porzingis only scoring in the first quarter, and then the second and or the third and fourth quarter, Porzingis puts up 25 to 30 points in the first quarter and second quarter, first half, but we're only getting two to five points from Porzingis. So, are there some numbers that we we can punch in? We're going to be like, hey, we need to get the ball to Porzingis more, and that's just like you said, that's just the eye test too. You don't really need to look at numbers, but. It's just the modern NBA. It's 2023. So everything in life now has some type of numbers attached to it. But I think right before we move, man, um, I'm going to say this. Something jumps out at me, and this is, this is what the organization is saying to Bradley Bill and Wes Huncell Jr., which is we are putting every tool imaginable mm-hmm. at your disposal. So the ball's in your court. You know, we're bringing in the front office where they're bringing every tool, every avenue to surround you with talent and to make this team better. But we have to perform. You know, and so this is it. I mean, you know, they have to perform this year because they've done a good job bringing the right pieces in, in as far as the front office and scouting and analytics, but they got to perform. You know, th- there's no excuses anymore. You know, they have to, you know, Wes Unsell, he's got to make those, he's got to make those adjustments. And Bradley Bill, look, they are trying to build around him. You know, obviously that's the first choice. Now, like, we both believe that, you know, if they start out bad, if it's not, if the franchise is not where they want to be towards the trade deadline, I do believe that, Bradley Bill will waive his no trade clause. Mm-hmm. But right now, Bradley Bill is a franchise player and finding every avenue, every tool, everything you can do to surround him with talent and make his job easier being that franchise guy, I think they're going to do. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, guys. But um, definitely a lot of news. A lot of news. Uh, this front office is starting to look very, very sexy. Man. So, <laughs> I'm the same. It's looking good, <laughs> man. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and roll. 
Uh, thank you guys for making Locked On Wizards your first listen every day, every day, or tomorrow on the show. We are going to chop it up with Jarvis Davis and Locked On Hawks, man, and talk about Travis Schlink and a little bit of DeJounte Murray, man, and whether he could be an option here in the 202. So definitely appreciate y'all, man, on YouTube. Definitely like, subscribe, comment below, and wherever you get your podcast, five-star review would be much appreciated. So again, appreciate y'all, and peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.